FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 157 of the podcast that goes snicked. And thwip. <laughs> Alright, I'm your host, Jason. I'm losing my mind along with my hair, Venable. And I'm joined uh, once again by Andrew Darth Vader with the crew cut, Autry. Hey, Andrew. Hey, how's it going? Not bad. And we have a, uh, a Spider-Man flashback special in this episode. We're going to talk about, really kind of focus on uh, Spider-Man versus Wolverine and then the... Um, succeeding issue of Web of Spider-Man number 29 kind of carries off the same story so I wanted to have one one of our resident Spider-Man experts come on and and share it with us so that's why Andrew's here I'm very excited to be here awesome you can hear it (laughs) and Andrew's coming to us live via Chicago just like the Wilco song he's up on a on a biz trip yeah, and you know what's funny is I was walking around, and you have no idea how big your podcast is here in Chicago. It's like <laughs> everyone was so like, you're going to be on the podcast that goes snicked? Because I was telling everyone. Right, right, obviously. Yeah. It was, it was, I got some serious street cred walking That's around good. That's here. good. <laughs> Glad to know we're uh, blowing around the Windy City. Oh, yeah, um, you're global. <laughs> yeah. Much like Spider-Man these days, you've you've gone global. Oh, that's true, and the uh, the the all new, all different, whatever in Hong Kong. How do you say Thwip in Mandarin? I don't know. I guess it's probably just Thwip. <laughs> There's no way I can answer that without sounding racist. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> while I was waiting for us to start, I was watching TV, and uh, Temple of Doom was on, and I. Uh, a short round walks a fine line that you probably couldn't do anymore in today's he's, society. <laughs> he, he just he's just wants you to know how strong the bridge is. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> when it's really too bad, one of my favorite things in life is to go, Dr. Jones, Dr. Jones! But, yeah, you know. when I had a little nephew that for a while was stuck saying... You call him Dr. Jones, doll. <laughs> you say that all the time, and it was. That's fantastic. I definitely, you know, felt uncomfortable in public. Right, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Please let there only be white people from the 80s around. Oh, <laughs> uh, you have gone global. With your silent prayer. <laughs> well, anyway, before we get to the comics, we do have an email we need to address. Um, this one is from super fan of the show, Reginald Tyrannicus. The email is entitled Promises. So here's what old Reggie T has to say. He says, um, my favorite moment of episode 155. Jason promises to do better on saying what will be featured in upcoming flashbacks, but then proceeds to not say what is on upcoming episodes. <laughs> uh, Sorry. <laughs> My biggest disappointment from 155, Jason not using either his Mary Poppins British accent or his secret butt language. More Matt. And then he has a follow-up question. Uh, for Inferno, 
parentheses, since you were almost there in your flash backery, which is one of my new favorite words. Have you considered trying to split it up using multiple correspondence for the different books it crosses over through? Sort of like how you split up the Secret Wars crossovers, but obviously with more integrated tie-ins. Um, can make for a more interesting listening experience, particularly since it involves all of your favorites. <laughs> and he has a checklist of everything I love about X-Men. Um, Limbo, check. New Mutants, check. Gene! <laughs> Check. He listened to Limbo again, so double check. Uh, Long shot, check. Dazzler. Oh, wait. No, there's a third Limbo. And not Gene. There is a lot of Limbo in the Inferno. There is a lot of Limbo, and I really, I just caught the irony of, of the email mentioning not Gene while you're on the episode. Because I don't, I, I'm sure other people either have this same thing or similar thing. So I'm not, I'm not claiming we're any original anything. But I remember back in college, um, there was a guy who went to our college with us. Uh, by the way, me and Andrew went to the same college. Um, and he was every bit as much of Andrew as he could be without being Andrew. And so instead of respecting his humanity and calling him by his name <laughs> we called him not andrew <laughs> yep and so i just re- i just kind of always chuckle about that and i i still use that same brand of humor a lot me and cameron especially will will refer to people as not something uh pretty often so referring to madeline Pryor as not gene really uh tickled my whatever I also like uh, Reginald's, I think this is just his regular sign-off, but it says, you were emailed from a phone, the end is near. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, so in response to the email, um, I do apologize for for not uh, delivering on my own promise. Um, So I'll just say right now, I don't know exactly when it'll come, like as far as you know, part part of the trouble is I don't always know between the current, quote-unquote, current episodes and the flashback episodes. I know what's next for each one, but I don't always know what order they're going to be in. But I will say the next flashback episode will be the X-Men Fantastic Four crossover from 1987. Ooh. So if anyone wants to read ahead on that, I've actually never read it, so it will it will be brand new for me. I don't even really know what it's about, <laughs> so it'll be it'll be totally totally fresh and new and clean and whatever. So, but that'll be the next flashback episode. Whether that'll actually be the next episode or not, I'm not sure. But you know, whatever. Um, as so far back as back off, Reginald. Yeah, yeah, back off. Um, <laughs> as far as Inferno, um, possibly. Um, you know, Wolverine is not in that much. Of Inferno. I mean, he's definitely in the Uncanny stuff, but it might be nice to just kind of get a very, very quick, like, catch up from different people. Uh, just saying, hey, this is what happened in the stuff you didn't read or didn't cover. So that's definitely a possibility, and I will um, see if anybody is interested in doing that or volunteers or whatever. I'm assuming you're volunteering for part of it since you're our new mutants expert. You'll probably, uh, that is uh, true. Catch those. Um, I what know. I would say is, is quick synopsis is. Synopses? Synopsi? I don't know. Synopsi? 
sounds a lot better than going issue through issue Woo! of yeah. the exterminators. Uh, yeah. Have you, have you already reread those? No, once oh. was really <laughs> enough for... <laughs> like, you, about every 20 years, you can read the exterminators. <laughs> and if you don't know what he's talking about, first of all, it's spelled with an X hyphen, obviously. But that is the book that, you know, I didn't realize, and, I, and I've never actually read this, so I'm, I'm really talking out of my butt here. But Ooh, Matt's uh, secret butt yeah, Oh, yeah, yeah, Matt, listen in. <laughs> no, but um, I'm kind of getting the impression from looking at, A, Andrew sent me an Inferno reading list, and I've checked out another couple of lists, and it kind of looks like Exterminators helps kind of kick off the event. It does. Which I didn't know, because honestly, I never even heard of it, uh, of Exterminators. I know Inferno, obviously. So I'm really curious, but uh, basically it's the story of um, the kids from X-Factor, kind of, or I guess the kids that were around X-Factor, forming a team, and then they'll eventually become X-Factor. I don't know. Anyway, it'll be interesting. So yeah, so we'll probably try to do something when we get there, because Reginald is right. We're not too far off. I can actually look and see. We have... Go to my trusty flashback list. Oh. Well, it's a little further than I thought. So we'll probably get there about the middle of next year. <laughs> At the pace I'm going right now. <laughs> but, um... Cause we gotta well, it's get... hard. I'm sure it takes longer since Wolverine appears in every comic book. We're getting to that time. Yeah. Yep. In fact, one of the things... Uh, we're not quite there yet, but once Marvel Comics Presents and the Solo Series both kick off, I will be putting it out there to the listener, kind of how I want to go forward. So we're thinking of that, listeners, especially you, you flashback fans, whether you would rather see, like, episodes about arcs or kind of do it like we do the current episodes and like do, like, this is, you know, October of 1989. This is everything that came out then. You know, whether you'd rather see it kind of like month by month or like actually have whole stories. So just be thinking about that. Um, We've got a little ways to go before we get to where it's really like impossible to keep up. (laughs) But we're not that far away because Wolverine explodes in the late 90s, early 90s. I'm sorry, late 80s, early 90s. And he literally is in everything. So we'll have to kind of pick a strategy. So just be thinking about that. But um, I feel like this is enough intro. <laughs> you, just, you, you only get so many emails, right? So you got to really that's true. Got to milk really them. Address each one. Yeah, got to milk them. Anyway, you ready to talk about some actual comics? I am really ready. All right, here we go. All right. So first on the docket, we have um, the one shot, the Marvel 25th anniversary one shot from. 1987 Spider-Man versus Wolverine. Now, um, in the past, Wolverine and Spider-Man have crossed paths a little bit. Of course, Andrew uh, came on the first time they ever met, um, and then they had the the Marvel team up where they did a little bit together. But uh, this is kind of their first like really big story together, so that's pretty cool. And man, it, there's a lot, a lot to it. It's a whopping um. 64 pages. Uh, and that's with zero ads. So that's 64 fully illustrated, 
fully dialogued, and boy, is it fully dialogued, <laughs> pages of, of comic greatness. Um, so let's talk about who did this bad boy. This is High Tide is the name of the story. It's written by James C. Owsley, not to be confused with the daredevil villain, penciled by Mark Bright, inked by Al Williamson, colors by Petros Gautiz, Letters by Bill Oakley, and uh, the cover is also by Mark Bright. On the cover, we have Wolverine and classic red and blue Spider-Man fighting in a cemetery. Uh, Wolverine is disrespecting the dead by slicing through a tombstone. (laughs) I will say the colors look very nice. One of the things that really jumped out to me about this cover, and not so much the interiors, but the cover very much felt like Mark Bright was trying to do his best Zex. Yep. And this is this is that time period. Oh yeah, yeah. Zek is in full force. He um has been doing the Punisher miniseries. Of course he had his calf run. This is right before Craven's last hunt. Yep. Um and then, you know, coming up we have a nice big run of G.I. Joe covers around the bend that he did. Um so yeah, Zek's, Zek's stock is high. So it would make sense that the Bright would kind of, hey, I don't know if he tried to ape him or if it was just a natural influence. You know, I'm sure they, this was back in the day where most of the artists were in the bullpen, so they probably were around each other. But yeah, what do you think of the cover overall, Andrew? Uh, it was all right. I mean, I kind of agree with everything you said, where it's it's okay, it's not bad, I've seen much worse, and yeah. I was not overly impressed for a one-shot where you'd kind of think you'd try to grab a, somebody pretty great to come in and right. pencil that one <laughs> shot. Yeah, you would think they'd have like a, like a superstar artist. Like, I don't know, in 87, that would be, you know, any number of people. But you know, it would have really made sense. You know who would have made sense to do this? Like, um, you know, Ron Friends or John Romita Jr. Or right. one of the guys drawing one of these characters at, at the time. But anyway, we get Mark Bright. Um, I think his Spider-Man looks fine. His Wolverine looks fine. Not crazy about the boots and the long rabbit ears <laughs> on Wolverine's boots. But um, yeah, overall, I, I like the cover and the colors. All right, so this one's a doozy. So let's see if we can uh, get through my almost two full pages of synopsis here. <laughs> um, all right. <clears throat> so... We open with a Cold War flashback of Wolverine saving his BFF, Charlie, from the KGB. Wolverine takes out the Russians, in, I'm sorry, the Ruskies in a berserker, and his, and his BFF disappears. Meanwhile, back in present day, Spider-Man contemplates whether he should take photos of his dead friends for the newspaper. <laughs> Someone is murdered while Peter and MJ are on a not date and Spidey is flipping out. He kisses MJ, breaking the we're not back together rule. So he quits Spider-Man again. Ned Leeds connects a recent string of deaths to the KGB and a clue about a charm necklace linking the deaths to Wolverine's KGB flashback. It's Charlie killing off old clients. Of course, Wolverine is also on the trail, but KGB is also trailing Wolverine in Berlin. Ned and Peter also chase Charlemagne to Germany, where Wolverine smells (laughs) Spider-Man. 
<laughs> don't know if that says more about Wolverine or Spider-Man, but um. anyway, Wolverine wants to check up on him and find out why uh, Spider-Man's in Germany. Wolverine finds him and leads him gallivanting around town. Wolverine tells Spidey to go home. It's too dangerous. Peter goes back to Ned's room to tell him he's going home. But Ned's dead. <laughs> the KGB are still there. Peter freezes. Wolverine to the rescue. Spider-Man needs a costume since he left his at home because he quit. Uh, luckily, very luckily, a costume store owner had literally just finished making a costume red and blue for his son's costume party. Spidey follows the spider tracer he planted on Wolverine into East Berlin. Dun, dun, dun. Spidey escapes the border patrol and follows the spider tracer. He placed on Wolverine to a hotel where he, um... <clears throat> Interrupts a lovely couple being lovely. After he ditched the tracer, Wolverine tracked Charlie to a KGB corpse factory. Wolverine um, makes out with him. Uh, her? What? <laughs> oh, wait. Charlie's a girl. Uh, Charlie takes Wolverine to her big, big house. Did we mention it's a really big house? Dude, it's a big house. Owsley wants us to know it's a big house. Charlie is a marked woman. Um, but it's okay, Wolverine's here. A few days, weeks go by, maybe? Um, anyways, later, Spider catches up to our secret couple in a restaurant. A brawl ensues with some hitmen. Charlie escapes. Wolverine and Spidey follow the bodies, always one step behind Charlie. They get on each other's nerves and split up. Charlie finishes her, her hit list and calls Wolverine. She wants him to kill her before the KGB catch her and torture her. They meet, of all places, in a cemetery where Wolverine halfway stabs her? Question mark. Then Spidey shows up to stop him from finishing the job. They have a pretty nice scuffle. A helicopter interrupts. Both men are on edge. Someone sneaks up on Spidey. Thinking it's Wolverine with an adamantium skull, Spidey um, punches at full force. But alas, it's Charlie. She's dead by Spider-Punch. Spider-Man is wrecked with guilt, but Wolverine gets him home so he can hug Mary Jane. Woo! <laughs> I think that's your longest synopsis to date. <laughs> it might very well be. This is super busy, and I, like I said, 64 pages, all of which have something that happens on them. <laughs> yeah, it's not just that it's busy, it's that he just really loves back-and-forth storytelling, where it's this scene to this scene to the meanwhile to the meanwhile and he doesn't right. even do the meanwhiles i mean it just cuts back and forth <laughs> he loves that it's, it's not even a it's, that's not a bad thing it's just right it does it pretty much every page and sometimes multiple times on a page right yeah between spider-man wolverine restaurants alleys yeah it, it, it jumps around quite a bit <laughs> so what do you think of our opening page here well the writing's not bad on the in the early part here. Right. The the monologue over the very very substandard art. Um, yeah. It it real it's. I feel like once we once he got into it, when Bright is drawing people with masks on, they look all right. Like it's, it's okay. But when he has to actually draw faces, it's it's not so great. But I actually like some of his writing. Especially the bit about the camera that he wrote. 
uh, I don't have it in front of me since I borrowed your copy and I'm in Chicago. Um, <laughs> yeah, with, with uh, Peter Parker, there's a lot of definitely a lot of melodrama. Um, yeah, I just I thought some of his monologuing was actually pretty decent. Kind of it's it's again it's kind of noirish. Yeah, that's like exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of like the noirish writing. It's kind of enjoyable. So, um, <laughs> I love on page three during the flashback, uh, Wolverine doesn't like syllables, but boy, does he love fighting. <laughs> and you've got one of your inadded adamantium moments on page three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They fixed his skeleton to add claws. Whoops. Yeah. In adamantium. Yeah, in adamantium. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> but I love that he says Charlie was short for Charlemagne, a name that's got too many blasted syllables. Because <laughs> I'm kind of dumb. <laughs> yeah, I thought Owsley had an interesting method of writing Wolverine. Yeah, it's like borderline caveman at parts, but then... You have the really kind of like smart sounding noir narration and other parts. So some of it yeah, feels a little he, disjointed, but, um, he did go back and forth. Yeah. But I do like, I don't know if you remember the, um, the page of Wolverine cutting everybody up in the flashback. That panel yeah. is fantastic. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I liked that a lot too. So it's basically it's hot pink. Then you have just sparks flying over barbed wire. It's really, really great. So then we do some stuff, some stuff I talked about. We have lots of, like, lots of Spider-Man moping around. and It's late 80s, remember? Yeah, this being late to Aunt May's apartment. and Constantly depressed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's super whatever. So on page 11, Mary Jane looks weird. Yeah, I feel like Bright tried to do, like, early John Romita, Mary Jane. But and he failed real bad. He comes bad. off more Archie looking. <laughs> yeah. Like Sunday comic strip. Although kind of right in there is a moment of, I thought, brilliant writing. Okay. That on pages 11 and 12, there's these two random people in Aunt May's house arguing about the colors blue and green in the background. And it has nothing to do with anything in the story. But it's like, I mean, it goes on and on in the background, right. this whole argument about blue versus green. Yeah. And you don't know who these people are, why they're there. <laughs> well, there's some Aunt May's tenants, but um, yeah, I did enjoy that. And that felt, I mean, obviously way before this, but that felt very kind of Tarantino-esque to me. Yeah. Right, just kind of random conversations that, that add to the story, but they don't really matter to the story. But I'm right. glad it's there because otherwise, I mean, otherwise this 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 story gets a little too heavy. <laughs> but um, all right. So so Andrew, spider. I need some spider expertise. Okay. On page thirteen, his spider sense goes off, but when the gun moves, his spider sense quits. Like the danger goes away or something. Is that how the spider sense works? I made a note that says, page 13, since when does the spider sense hurt? It, <laughs> it, he actually, like, it looks like it hurts him. I don't know if that's bad art or bad writing. 
I mean, he like he just about falls down with the yeah. spider sense. Yeah, we get yeah, the classic where half his face is the mask. You know, and I will say one thing about the spider sense. You know, since the 1960s on, it is extremely inconsistent on how it works. No, it's exactly magic. What it does. Yeah, it's completely magic. It it kind of does what it needs to do for the story. Right. Exactly. It's, and, it's more plot sense. <laughs> yeah, it really is, and it's you know. It's a cool power. It, uh, I, I thought this was unusual having it only when the gun was pointing at him. Right. Yeah. Cause the gun's pointing at someone else. No danger. <laughs> right. Basically it's the most self-centered spider sense. We, we, right. Yeah. I did like the nice little detail when he's changing costumes and he takes off his shoes so he can stick to the wall. <laughs> but my only question about that, if you're going to go to the trouble of taking off his shoes, but he still has his pants on and his butt sticking to the wall. He's got very strong feet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's one other bit of writing there I kind of liked on page 12. It's more of that noirish monologuing. Yeah. Where he's reminiscing about being brought to Times Square as a kid. Yes. And how like his eyes had been covered so he wouldn't see certain things. <laughs> and then now as an adult, he's learned to screen things out on his own. I thought that was just kind of, it was kind of cool. It was very, it was very true to the Peter character. Like yeah. that he, he wants to do good things. He wants to be a good person. I, I kind of like that idea of he learned to screen things out on his own. Yeah, that's pretty cool. All right. So I'm going to skip a little bit. So if, if you need to backtrack on me, let me know. I don't have anything else till 17. All right. Well then we'll go to you. What do you got? I just, I liked that. Peter was in his whitey tidies lamenting and wanting to quit. Oh. <laughs> I just think it's funny that he wears whitey tidies. <laughs> yeah, I need to. But, I mean, and, you can't. And, and they yeah. look like a diaper. <laughs> They're not that tight. <laughs> right. They're more whitey Lucy's. I like, you know, I wonder, whether there was some kind of like mandate that this story had to feature the red and blues. Because it seems weird. I mean, because we're we're smack in the middle of the uh, really kind of uh, the, the peak of black costume Spider-Man. So it seems weird that like I don't know if that was just like a, an interesting story quirk, or if someone said no, people won't recognize what's going on. This one shot, we don't want to just sell to Spider-Man fans. We want everyone to buy it. So it's got to be like the original costume. And so I don't know. If they maybe came, they were throwing. Maybe they were throwing a bone to some of the fans who were, you know, via actual mail clambering for the, uh, clambering, clamoring Clamoring, for the, uh, original costume. Yeah, maybe so. I didn't think about that. Or maybe that, you know, that white spider logo on the front of the black costume was a lot harder to draw. And they're like, eh, we can only get Mark Bright for this one. Do you you think he can handle it? (laughs) Yeah, all right. <laughs> so we have a, we have a thing where um, Wolverine stabs a tree. The next thing I have, I love how Wolverine. I mean, I understand that he's like in his briefs or boxers or whatever when he's meditating. But I love that when he comes to Spider-Man's hotel window, he's put on pants and shoes but no shirt. I I have that page twenty four plus because it goes on for pages. Why is Wolverine shirtless? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. 
And it's not even like a great uh, chance to show the big body here because he's not that hairy in Bright's interpretation. Like yeah, he has uh, like the chest hair, definitely, but it's not like egregious. But um, uh-huh. I love how he dumps out Spider-Man's suitcase. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, "All right, quit pretending. I know who you are." Yeah, so they run around some more. Um, I like that the the death of Ned wasn't too graphic. Yeah, I actually kind of made note of that, that if it were a comic book now, it would have looked a lot different than just like the thin line of blood along the throat. Right, yeah. There there would have been blood down the shirt and all over. So then on page 28, we get another awesome hot pink panel of claws and bullets. Really love that panel. Yep. Uh, Let's see. Then on page... 33, we have some comical misunderstanding of German. <laughs> Where the, uh, I actually like that they don't translate here. So I know a little bit of German, so I know they're talking about, like, desserts. And that kind of makes it funnier. That This is another kind of Tarantino before Tarantino moment. Because uh, the guards are walking around talking about strudels and stuff, and Spider-Man is like, what what evil plan are they these evil communists conniving? <laughs> I think you do see some some real seeds of Owsley being a good writer. Whether yeah. it's fully realized in this story on its own or not, you can see those moments that tell you he he's got some talent. Right. Definitely. And I guess we should mention um throughout the book, so this this costume that this costume maker made on the back, Big Spider says "Die Spinne," which is German for the spider. So I thought that was funny. Yeah. So we get some more fun stuff of, of Spider-Man getting away from the <laughs> the guards and crashing the hotel couple. Um, I love that that um, Wolverine can't be spider traced, and that he wrote "Bub" in his note. <laughs> yeah. Owsley made sure he got the bub in there. And I know you said that uh, Bright was okay with mask. But on the bottom of page 38, that spider mask is terrible. Yeah, he's better with the masks on <laughs> than he is having to do faces. He's, it's not great. I mean, none of this is bad. It's not like it's bad art. It's right. just, I mean, some, I mean, certain panels are bad. But as a whole, it's, it's not bad. It's just really not very exciting. Right. For a story that kind of had a lot of opportunities to do some pretty cool stuff. I agree. Oh, I forgot to mention when um, so Spider-Man defeats the Berlin Wall. <laughs> he does. A few years early, so good for him. Um, he probably inspired Reagan. Probably so, probably so. Him and Rocky, probably. Rocky IV. So this comic and Rocky IV ended the Cold War. Yep. <laughs> they woke up Reagan and said, hey, Spider-Man did it. Yeah. So, hey, Andrew, did you know that Charlie had a big house? They make sure that you know that that is one big house. It's a big, big house. I wonder if they can play football. (laughs) There's like one listener. Yeah, maybe. It's probably Reginald Tyrannicus. Right. If if Cameron's listening, he'll chuckle at that. Probably not out loud, but like under his breath. Yeah, he doesn't laugh as much as he just says, that's pretty funny. Yeah. 
he identifies the funny, but he doesn't actually laugh. Right, yeah. All right, so speaking of our kind of noir talk, some of the narration was, was fine, but I hate the way Charlie talks. Yeah? It's just, I don't know, just everything she says is I just, oh, we did all this, but I'm here now. I love the life, the danger. I loved it more than I say, more than you, Logan. Now I know too much. I'm too hot. I've been marked. Every, you know, just all, I don't know. I just, she really drove me crazy. Yeah, there's a there's a great line on page 44. Oh, okay, maybe, before we get to that, on page 43, oh, when Spider-Man okay. busted the restaurant, first of all, I don't know why Wolverine's wearing, like, the puffy shirt from Seinfeld, and, like, the frilly, like, <laughs> wrist. <laughs> I don't understand what he's trying to do there. But um, when Spider-Man busts in, he face, Wolverine face palms. <laughs> and so, um... So either Charlie reminded him of the time he got dazzle blasted <laughs> or Spidey's here. <laughs> and then all his all his low moments all at once. Right, yeah. Alright, so then page forty four. First of all we get a terrible double snicked. Which is not something I normally say, but um it's it's just not great. But you said you had something on that page too? Yeah, I mean it's it's kinda cheesy. But yet I liked it. I liked that they say they have us right where we want them. Yeah. Yeah, I liked the, I liked the, the turnabout on the they and the we. They right. have us right where we want them. I kind of I kind of liked that. That that felt Wolverine-ish. It did. And I love the kind of like cartoon style. Instead of showing the fight, you just see the people falling out the windows. <laughs> like you know they're getting their butts whooped inside. But you just see the like the end result. I also like <laughs> how Wolverine is very patronizing to Spider-Man. Um, it really starts on page forty-five. He calls him Junior. I think at some point he calls him um, Kid. Uh, other stuff like he just really like kind of sticks it to Spider-Man a little bit. And that's going to continue. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, so so then we get to, then we the story kind of takes a turn. And I don't really appreciate that much. Um, so I know that Spidey is a little out of his element here. We have like the hardened KGB operatives, not really kind of what he's normally used to dealing with. But I felt like they overplayed his fear. Oh, yeah. And him being like skittery and skittish, it didn't really feel right to me. I, I thought the whole ending what they did with Spider-Man, the whole, you know, kind of from 55 on is, it's crazy, right? Page 55 on. <laughs> right. It, it's out of character. It's not, yeah. it doesn't feel right. Right. Yeah. So on page 48, we get a nice shot of Wolverine cutting through a wall or a yeah, tarp cool or claws. something. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. Then we get a nice claw face panel on page 49 right before Wolverine and Spidey split up. I do like also the expressive, when people are expressive with Spidey's eye lenses. Yeah, I, I always I, like that too. Even if it makes no sense, I always right. like it too. Yeah. It's one of those things you just accept. I love the, the design on page 50. Yes. Really nice panel work. Really nice layout. Also want to point out, I thought it was really interesting, and this will, this will come into play later, 
that Wolverine like makes a note that he plans on apologizing for snapping at Spidey. Uh-huh. Like, it's like, I'm going to make sure I, I promise to myself when we get back to New York when all this is done, I'm going to find him, check in on him, make sure he's okay, make sure he knows that like, I don't think he's the bad guy, blah, blah, blah. And so that was cool. And I think that kind of lays the foundation for where their friendship, relationship, whatever, will go forward. So I thought that was really cool. I thought the uh, the fight between them was really kind of brutal. Yeah, it was pretty nice, too. Um, before we get to the fight, uh, the panel on page 52, or the panel work where Wolverine unsuccessfully kills Charlie. And the That's way the best nicked in the book. Yeah. And then it kind of zooms out. Like, I, don't know, I, thought the, I thought the color work and the panel layout on that page was really cool. Although, I, I know... It, it's, oh, his emotions were involved, so he met, Wolverine doesn't miss in that situation. No, he doesn't. No, there's no way he unsuccessfully kills her because he flinches because of the <laughs> emotional context. Right. So on the next page, when Spider-Man shows up, suddenly Wolverine's claws turn into a rake. I don't know what's going on visually. I, I made note, curved claws are weird. They're weird, but they're really weird. I mean, because Cockrum drew curved claws. Um, yeah, but these are weird. <laughs> these are weird. They're really thin and really spread out. Like he's going to go, you know, rake some leaves up <laughs> or something. I don't know. It's strange. But we also officially get the sound of Wolverine's claws cutting through Spider-Man's webbing. It's a slit. <laughs> yeah, I kind of liked that. I thought that was fun. <laughs> Maybe a little more electric than it should be, but it's pretty nice. Uh, it's a letter. The letter only gets to do so much. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But yeah, so we got a really nice fight. It ends with kind of a, the close-up on Wolverine's eyes. When so all oh, so at the end of the fight, all these random agents show up that were hunting Charlie down, and so Wolverine and Spidey have to like kind of collect themselves. They're, they're ready to like fight together. They've been fighting, but now they got to fight these agents. But then the like, how do the lights go out in a dark cemetery at night? I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, they do, and when when they come back on, everybody's gone. <laughs> All right. So, what, what do you want to say about the end here? You... Well, there were a couple of, a couple of other quick things. Yeah. One, uh, yeah, the fight that we said was kind of brutal. The the panel where he's punching Wolverine and like the tombstone is breaking behind him. Yeah, that's pretty great. That that's a pretty cool idea that he because he knows that you know with the adamantium skeleton he can just really cut loose on him. Right. And he's basically pounding him through the tombstone. That's pretty sweet. But the the biggest thing is the whole the whole thing about Spider Man is that he doesn't kill, although. Technically, he killed Gwen Stacy. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. Uh, but he did, that's his thing, is he doesn't kill. And we talked about the inconsistent spider sense. He, he should know that she's, no one's coming up behind him to attack him. True. It, and him turning and just clobbering her and killing <laughs> her, it doesn't. It doesn't really fit, and it also doesn't make sense that he hit her hard enough to kill her, but she's like still has time for her closing comments and her yeah. everything. Yeah, if and, you're if you're punched to death, then you're dying at the punch. 
Uh, mostly. Usually. I guess it's possible, like, your brain hemorrhages, and so it takes, I don't know, I, yeah, I don't know. I yeah, rescind whole, my statement, but still, it does seem odd. I just thought it didn't fit. It didn't really make sense. It wasn't, uh, I mean, it doesn't, he, he still didn't intentionally kill anyone, so it doesn't right. end the mythos that Spider-Man doesn't kill. Right. But it just, it really didn't. I see what he's trying to do. He's trying to get the whole, he failed, he he can now have another thing to feel guilty about. <laughs> yeah, because in 1987, he didn't have enough. Right. <laughs> but I, just, I didn't really like that. I, I liked the storytelling overall. I didn't like that. Felt like it was a weird ending to, to the story. I agree. I agree. So any other specific comments before we generalize? All right. What do you think of the art overall? I know we've already kind of hinted at it, but um, it was it was one of those things where it was okay. Yeah, that's it, kind had, of, it had a couple of really good moments. It had a couple of pretty bad moments. Yeah, kind it's, of averages out. Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty standard. Yeah, I would agree. Nothing, especially for that time period. I mean, there's a reason when I tried to look up Mark Bright to find out what he was known for, I couldn't really find much <laughs> right it, you know got a, got a few gigs and looks like that was about it just wasn't right wasn't wasn't cut out to for the big time i guess not no nope. his future wasn't art. his future wasn't so bright right that he had to wear shades i saw where you were going there <laughs> i telegraphed it <laughs> So the story was a little disappointed you didn't sing it. Oh, sorry. I don't. I don't know if I know the melody to that song. <laughs> why don't you sing? Why don't you give us a bar? Gotta wear shades. <laughs> Perfect. Soundbite collected. <laughs> so yeah, I agree. The story was very noir with kind of the narration and just kind of the utter pessimism. And this story is just super, like, fatalistic and pessimistic. And uh, I I think it does a good job. I would say it does a good job of contrasting the heroes. But Spidey doesn't always feel like Spider-Man. So I'm not sure if it really shows a true contrast. Because I don't know if the characters necessarily felt truest. I get, like... We're in mopey Spider-Man time, and that's fine, but I don't know. He, he was he was too scared. They, they wanted so much for him to be, like, the scared little kid with Wolverine that I think they just kind of wrote what they wanted to write without thinking about whether Spider-Man would actually do that. Yeah, and here's what's interesting about that. This is probably a good spot to bring up Owsley in general. Okay. So I wanted to figure out, okay, why, why don't... You know, I don't, I'm not really familiar with Owsley. So I, I looked up a little bit of information. So one, most of his career has not been under the name Owsley. Because in 1993, he legally changed his name to Christopher James Priest. Okay. And most of his writing has been either under Christopher Priest or just under the name Priest. Right, yeah. Um, and he is actually an ordained minister. So Really? <laughs> yeah. That's a little on the nose, ain't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So what's actually also interesting, because I thought this was an appropriate place to bring it up, because you just talked about whether this was really true to the Spider-Man character, etc. Owsley was actually a Spider-Man editor for a little while. Really? Uh, during the Jim Shooter era, 
and Shooter actually fired him as an editor. Um, <laughs> basically, like apparently, he was just really bad as an editor. But, okay, uh, but let, let's back up just a little bit, and I'll let you. I'll let you continue right from this. Where does Jim Shooter anybody? get off firing anybody? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding. But anyway, proceed. And, and I, I think Shooter would would tell you that he did him a favor because he thought he was a better writer than an editor. But, okay. You know, uh, maybe that's true. So yeah, he basically, I think he was the editor, kind of during some of the DeFalco to Michelini run. I think that's he was a good run during yeah during that time period. Uh, anyway, yeah. So that's a little bit of his background that I thought was interesting in terms of. Uh, he, he f- should know the character pretty well. You would think so. You would think so. Uh, so what do you think of... You can kind of see some of the seeds of what their friendship will be. Uh, maybe kind of sort of. So what do you think of their interaction in this this one shot? Uh, I actually liked Wolverine's interactions with Spider-Man from, from Wolverine's point of view. Yeah. More, I, more I than the like other way around. Yeah, yeah, it was the other way around I didn't like as much. It didn't necessarily ring false to me, though, because I think Spider-Man generally kind of disliked Wolverine at <laughs> first. Right, yeah. Whereas Wolverine didn't necessarily dislike Spider-Man any more than he dislikes anyone and everyone. <laughs> right. He was just his normal grumpy self. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think he really did actually kind of... It's It's kind of funny. It's almost like... For him, he's treating Peter like he would a teenage girl. Like it's another one of the people to take under his wing a little bit. And, <laughs> <laughs> and he wants to kind of, it, it comes out more in the next issue we're going to talk about. Right. But sort of that, you know, Uncle Wolvie's got, got your back here. <laughs> Even though you're pounding me through a tombstone. Right. You know? <laughs> but I, I kind of liked some of their interaction. I, I like the... Uh, Wolverine kind of messing with him and yeah. calling a kid and that kind of stuff. It's just, right. it's fun. It's a good time. All right, cool. Well, um, anything else before we grade Spider-Man versus Wolverine? Uh, I mean, just in general, I actually kind of liked the story. I, there were the parts, like I said, I I really disliked the end of it. Right. I um, I thought there were just kind of a couple of weird moments. I agree. I didn't like the way. Charlemagne's dialogue was written her, <laughs> her 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 voice I didn't like her voice in this right but uh and I I'm I'm a little bit of a sucker for the 80s noirish writing yeah I obviously like both characters a whole lot of the main characters <laughs> the Ned Leeds death ends up being really important we'll talk about that in the next one yeah but, wow um and there's some good Owlsley stuff in there, too. <laughs> um, you know, talking of that, it seems like it really... I mean, that that Ned story has been a backstory of amazing for a couple of years now. It, it does seem a little strange that if, you like, if you're reading Amazing and you somehow miss this, like... Wow, <laughs> you missed like the culmination of years of storytelling that happened. Well, in, or this... did you? Oh well, true. Yeah. So do, do you want to do you want to get into kind of that little anecdote now or later? Uh, let's do it. At, let's do it at the end. 
Okay, because there, there's a really interesting Ned Leeds death, Owlsley tie-in. <laughs> so, so stick around, listener. Stick around, folks. Yeah. Oh, right. I, I should give a good Stan Lee tease on how the <laughs> upcoming part is the most amazing thing you'll ever read in your entire <laughs> or hear. All right, well, what do you want to grade Spider-Man versus Wolverine? I was really torn between a three and a four for myself. It's another one of those that, like, more dynamic art that would have told the story better. When, oh, yeah. It could have really made a difference. I agree. And and then the, 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 the ending that I just thought really didn't fit and make sense. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with three. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. You know what I could have really gone for in this this one-shot crossover whatever? This could have used a touch of Frank Miller. Yeah, it's that type of story. Right. The the story... See, that's why I kind of feel like Owsley's writing in this, yeah, because it's got those moments of being pretty good, if the art told the story better, I would, I would almost say it could have been great in this. Yeah. But I think it's hampered by the art. Right. Yeah, someone like Miller, somebody who's more of the, the darker, grittier kind of... Because it's, it's not a cheerful story. No, no, it's very bleak. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Well, I'm going to go a little higher than you. I'm going to give it a four out of six claws. I also kind of wrestled, had the same kind of wrestling match between three and four, but I'm, I'm going to settle on a four. All right, well, cool. You want to, uh, let's jump over to Web of Spider-Man number 29. All right. This is so this a, picks up right after the last one. And, and according to the, 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 the Web of Spider-Man 29, it takes place during Amazing Spider-Man 289. Yes, and I'll talk about that after we talk about this. But they sure. are very, like, if you put your hands together and interlock your fingers... That's these two issues. Like they yeah. borrow from each other, uh, et cetera. So, so I'm, I'm guessing they both wanted to cover what happened to Ned. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so this is Mask. Who, uh, who did Mask? All right. So uh, the story is, again, written by James C. Owsley. This time the penciler is Steve Geiger. Art Nichols is the inker. Rick Parker, the letterer, and Bob Sharon does the colors. And we have our, our cover also by Geiger and Nichols. What's on the cover? All right, so you get Spider-Man in the black costume and Wolverine kind of hip to hip. Um, <laughs> Walking through Sp- the wilderness. Thanks. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a couple of songs out of you before this is over. <laughs> it's not hard. Uh, they are fighting off what appears to be a street gang that Frankenstein is a member of. I wrote the same thing in my notes because he's not in the, there's no Frankenstein anywhere in this comic. No, but that guy not only is his head shaped square with a flat top. He's green. (laughs) He's green. He's straight up green. That is Frankenstein. And this is Frankenstein's gang. I just don't know where he went between the cover and the issue. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, that's the cover and it's, uh, you got your usual eighties street hoods. One of them's got a tire iron another's got a chain. Uh, yeah, good fun. 
one really positive note on the cover. I love that Wolverine is smiling. Yeah, well, he's about to fight. That's the best time yeah. of his life. Yeah, I know. Overall, the co- I thought the cover was it's fine. It was pretty fun. I mean, it's fine. Yeah. You're excited to see that he's side by side, hip to hip with Wolverine. <laughs> you know, about to fight Frankenstein. Right, <laughs> or so you think. <laughs> it, yeah, it, I mean, it's false advertising, like most covers are. Yeah, there is no Frankenstein. No. Okay, so for this issue, I tried to take a page out of your your method and tried to write the synopsis to get, you know, so instead of taking 12 hours to get through it page by page, <laughs> I can actually just run through this. All right. But while it is not a 50-whatever-page one-shot like the last one, what, what is this one? It's, uh, it's still pretty long. It's 20-something with ads. So. Yeah. It, uh, there's a lot in it. So you're going to hear me say cut to or cut to or meanwhile a lot. Cause it, it really does it. All right. So here we go. We open up with Ned being dead and Peter feeling guilty. Like he always does in the eighties. Little Richard, AKA the Rose, <laughs> AKA Kingpin Jr. A sham bam, a wham, boom, wham. <laughs> shows up at the funeral and reveals that he and Ned were working together to topple his father, Kingpin Senior, Senior with Ned as his supposed, uh, working together with Ned as his supposed alter ego, the Hobgoblin. After over-explaining everything, he decides to launch a new plan and calls Mr. Johnston. Meanwhile, Peter calls MJ, his ex-girlfriend, question mark, and asks her to stay with Betty, his ex-girlfriend, definitely, <laughs> while he wallows in more guilt and decides to go confide in Felicia, his other ex-girlfriend. <laughs> Meanwhile, Kingsley and police captain Keating are busy blaming each other for something that doesn't really matter when the aforementioned Mr. Johnston shows up and starts shooting. Kingsley gets shot and Keating gets away. Cut to find Peter... Finding Felicia is gone, and he gets even more angsty since he's all out of ex-girlfriends to talk to. (laughs) Cut to the Rose and his lady lamenting stuff and thinking about quitting, while Alfredo, the Rose's buddy, decides to go check out the Hobgoblin's hideout since Ned is dead. Ned's dead. Cut to Pete literally sitting on the dock of the bay. (laughs) I can't whistle. The problem with that reference is I'm physically incapable of whistling. (laughs) Uh, So cut to Pete literally sitting on the dock of the bay, lamenting stuff. Watching the time waste away. There you go. When a mystery man in shadow shows up, cut to Rose, who finds his goon Johnston, (laughs) along with another goon named Varley, dead. And the hobgoblin shows up. Hobby doesn't just kill, doesn't kill the Rose because he's decided he's useful. And after he flies off, the Rose again sits and laments stuff and thinks about quitting. Cut to Alfredo at the Hobby hideaway, where he totally <laughs> MacGyvers the security system with a pen light and a cassette tape. <laughs> Cut back to the dock of the bay, where the mystery shadowy man was revealed to be Wolverine. While they chatted up, a street gang shows up, and we get a snick that completely rips off or pays tribute to Crocodile <laughs> Dundee. I'm so and glad he, you went there. Yeah, that's not a knife. This is a knife scene. <laughs> Cut.
cut back to Alfredo, who gets interrupted in his search by the new Hobgoblin. Cut back to the docks. Wolverine uses both the terms jerk and dog face in this fight scene. (laughs) Meanwhile, Hobgoblin attacks Alfredo. Back at the docks, the gang runs away and Wolverine wants to chase them, but Peter is too depressed. Logan cheers him up by slicing his shirt open to the Spider-Man suit beneath and tells him, You are what you are, bub. Cut to Alfredo makes a break for it. Cut to Wolverine versus the gang round two with Spider-Man showing up to help. Cut to Alfredo drives away with the Hobgoblin chasing him. Cut to more of the gang fight with some great Wolverine Spider-Man banter. (laughs) Nice. Cut to Alfredo continues to drive away with Hobgoblin chasing him. Cut to the gang fight wraps up and the arranger pulls up to the curb. At that moment, because you couldn't see this coming, Alfredo and Hobgoblin come flying past. (laughs) The Ranger lets Spider-Man know Kingpin wants to meet with them, but Spidey and Wolverine are too busy chasing Hobby down the street. Hobgoblin shoots out Alfredo's tires, and Fredo goes in the bay. Spider-Man pulls him out of the car, but Hobby gets away. Wolverine closes things out by telling Pete he needs to let the guilt go. It wasn't his fault that Ned was dead or that Charlie was dead and that he can't carry all that stuff around and he has to let it go. And the final panels involve little Richard thinking Alfredo died in the crash and feeling guilty and lamenting stuff and wanting to quit being the Rose. And he runs off into the night in his white suit and scene. (laughs) Yikes. Um, All right, so that was the the fast synopsis. Yeah. So I guess uh, to get into a couple of maybe specific things, the art in this one is definitely a step up um, from, you know, from the bright, but it's also really normal. It's very Marvel House style. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's about a step sideways, personally. Well, what you don't get is you don't get a bunch of the bad panels. Yeah, that's true. It's just, it's very, it's very normal. Like, there's not really anything that you look at and you go, oh, wow, that's really, really cool. But you also don't look at stuff and you go, what in the heck is happening here? Right. So, you get some great late 80s, you know, hairstyles and especially the gangs. Or when people are nervous or angry, they got the sweat drops on their forehead and (laughs) that kind of stuff. That's good stuff. Right. All right. So this is where I'm going to put in the the hobgoblin thing. So, okay, here's what's interesting about this. All right. Well, hold up. Hold up. Let's let's talk about Amazing 289 real fast first. Kind of interspersing. Let me think. Is there anything else in web? No, no, no. We'll we'll come back to this. Okay. I'm just going to... I'm going to do a segue to a to, uh, little uh, a brief 289 thing because... Okay. Sounds good. That actually tells us who this new Hobgoblin is and, and goes through all that. I think that'll be relevant to what you're about to talk about. Sounds um, good. So Amazing 289 has a um, cover by Tom Morgan and Tom Palmer. The Hobgoblin Revealed is a pretty great cover. Um, it's written by Peter David. Art by Alan Kuppenberg and Tom Morgan. Inks by Jim Fern. Letters by Rick Parker. Colors by George Russus. Basically, this story catches up with the Spidey Wolvie issue 
which is where we have our Wolverine flashback scene, and the death of Ned. It also reveals the Hobgoblin ID. Hobgoblin was Ned. But Kingpin has a, a file that he gives to Spidey because a foreigner killed Ned without his permission. Turns out Jack-O-Lantern was mad because Hobgoblin beat him up, so he hired the foreigner to kill Ned while he was in Germany. Jack-O-Lantern then assumes Hobby's mantle and takes his place. Spider-Man goes after the foreigner to avenge Ned, and McIndoe, the Jack-O-Lantern, goes after Spidey because he wants to file so no one will know that he's not really the Hobgoblin. Flash Thompson saves the day, inadvertently clearing himself from being set up as the Hobgoblin, but the file is burned and everyone gets away. Uh, the art's pretty good. The story is a culmination of one of my favorite Spider-Man runs. I'll give that issue six out of six claws. So anyway, back to Web of 89, or 29, I mean. Now, while I haven't read that particular Amazing yet, that, that's during a really good Peter David stretch, so. Actually, that Peter David kind of took on the end of that story. Um... DeFalco and Friends did a big chunk of that run. Uh, is, it, is that when David was writing Spectacular? Yes. Okay. Great. I've lost all my Spidey cred again. <laughs> like every it. time I come on to talk about Spidey, I lose my, <laughs> I lose, I lose my thwip cred. Right. All right. So all anyway, right. Drop, some, uh, drop some hobby knowledge on us. Okay. So this was interesting. I actually got to hear this from a Roger, uh, in a Roger Stern interview, not... Not terribly long ago. The interview was a while back, but I only heard it recently. Right. So, um, you know, when Roger Stern did all the build-up to the Hobgoblin story during his long run, his entire plan the whole time was that it was Roderick Kingsley who was the Hobgoblin. Okay. And Which is funny because Kingsley's in the story, and I mentioned he gets shot in the story. He doesn't die, but he gets shot in the story. That's who it was supposed to be. So when Roger Stern stopped writing... And, you know, and then they kind of convinced Tom DeFalco to start writing Amazing. DeFalco basically was like, all right, I'll do it, but Stern's got to tell me who Hobgoblin is. <laughs> so Stern told him, and I think DeFalco was like, I, yeah, whatever, I don't like that. So Owsley asked, you know, DeFalco who Hobgoblin is. So I think DeFalco basically didn't like Owsley. It, which sounds like a lot of people didn't like him. That's probably why he changed his name to get a fresh start. So, um, a do over. Yeah. So DeFalco lied. So first of all, when DeFalco decided he didn't like that, it was Roger, Roderick Kingsley. DeFalco decided it was going to be Richard Fisk. So DeFalco had intended now for it to be Richard Fisk. Wow. That would involve some pretty big retconning. Cause they, they were seen in the same place. <laughs> it, it wouldn't have worked. Right. But, but DeFalco liked that better. But since he didn't like Owsley, he lied to Owsley and said it was Leeds. <laughs> Owsley didn't want it to be Leeds. He wanted to, to be the foreigner. So he kills Leeds and tells Peter David to reveal that Hobgoblin was the foreigner. Uh, Peter David was basically like, yeah, that doesn't fit. On, only Leeds fits the clues. And he thought it was supposed to be Leeds, too, because he was at the same thing where DeFalco told, told uh, Owsley it was Leeds. And the issue for the uh, one shot was already drawn. Everything was already done. So they were stuck with the fact that Leeds was dead. Right. So that's, that's how you ended up with the killing 
Ned uh, killing a major character, major villain off panel and it being really kind of an anticlimactic way to tell the story and the way it kind of happened. And so they were kind of stuck with it. But then Roger Stern, a decade later, got the opportunity to essentially retcon the whole thing, rewrite everything and show that Kingsley was really the hobgoblin all the time, that he brainwashed leads to take the fall, he kills off <laughs> Mackendale. Uh, you know, it all it all gets to go back to what it was originally going to be. But I like the whole fact that Owsley killed Leeds because he wanted to make sure Hobgoblin was the foreigner instead of Leeds. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, that doesn't really work. So he we're, still we're, didn't stuck get with, his way. we're stuck with you killed Hobgoblin. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That's crazy. That's, a very convoluted story. That's a comic in and of itself. Right. Ugh. Yeah, so one of the things I thought was weird or interesting or whatever, there are several, not only similarities, but there's actually several panels and scenes in here between Web 29 and Amazing 289 that are exactly the same. Like when Rose finds his henchman dead, same scene happens in 289. Um, oh, with the, uh, with the guy hanging on the balcony? Yeah. In fact, the scene that's really cool in here of Hobgoblin kind of in the shadow laughing at the rose, like that exact panel is redrawn by the other artist in Amazing. Actually, it looks a little better. But yeah, so like there's a lot of like stealing back and forth. Like they literally are super interconnected. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, 289's better um, than yeah. this. <laughs> Did you like that within like... I, mine doesn't actually have page numbers. No, mine doesn't good. either, this one. Marvel is very uh, inconsistent. It's really, uh, within a two-page spread, you get the total MacGyver thing. I love that. Where he uses the pen light and the cassette tape to disable the security system. Right. Then on the the two-page spread here, you get that Peter Parker is completely Marty McFly. (laughs) I was going to ask if he jumped ship. (laughs) He did. And on that same page is where you get the crocodile Dundee. That's not a knife. This is a knife. Not yeah. dig mine. In my in my yeah. notes, I wrote the crocodile Dundee snicked. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's just funny that all they're really crammed close together. Yeah. You, know, you you referred earlier to your podcast being for. I believe your exact words. I hope only white guys from the eighties. No, 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 no. I was saying that when you <laughs> had your story, that you were hoping only white guys from the eighties were around, so that no one would be offended. Right. <laughs> but I also well, hope that only eighties white guys listen to the podcast. Right. So they're all loving the MacGyver, Dundee, Back <laughs> to the Future. Right. Yeah. Hit. 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 Hit them all. Yeah. I thought it was funny that Wolverine lied about smoking too. Yeah. Like, I feel like there's a whole alternate timeline where Wolverine said, oh, yeah, I have a match, and he gave the guy a cigarette, and then the guy left, and there was no fight. Right. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> I, I thought it was weird how much he freaked out when the guy pulls a gun. Whereas, like, it's, like, super big, angry letters and calls him a jerk. It says, right. no guns, dog face. Dog face. <laughs> That just didn't seem. I don't know. Just that's pretty weird. I thought it was weird that Wolverine in this issue pulls the Batman where he doesn't like guns. Like, no, we can't right. use those. Which doesn't really. I can understand where he doesn't have a lot of use for them, 
I don't know if it's really that common to him that he, like, just hates no. guns. Somewhere, right around there, there's a big wee-hoo, and I can't find it now. Uh, what are they? I don't know. Anyway, I like that, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was saying that there's that great, I said there's more of that Kid Junior stuff where Wolverine's like, oh, that's more like it, kid. <laughs> right. Stop calling me kid. Okay, Junior. <laughs> <laughs> Just good stuff. And I like that Wolverine gives Spidey a pep talk. Yeah, I, I actually, I love the pep talk at the end. I kind of do too. And there's a and little the one, one in the middle, middle I mean, as well. Just, yeah, they're both really good about, you know, you are who you are. Right. You can't not be Spider-Man. That's who you are. And I also like, uh, so when Wolverine sees that Spider-Man is, is Spider-Man again, he gets this big smile on his face, and he's really excited to see Spider-Man back in the game. Right. It's really funny. Um, yeah, that's that whole Uncle Wolvie thing. Yeah, right. I also thought it was interesting. So, the guy in the mohawk with the gun, or I guess the folded-over mohawk, who uh-huh. tries to shoot Wolverine by the street lamp, he calls Wolverine Fang. Which I yeah, was wondering I, if that was just... Why. What? I don't know why he calls him Fang. So I was wondering if that was just like, oh, you know, he's a big hairy guy. He's a wolf, whatever. Like he's just trying to be diminutive or whatever. But if you remember, Fang is the guy, the Shi'ar guy, that the first time Wolverine had a yellow and brown costume, he stole Fang's costume in outer space. And so I was wondering if Peter David was making kind of like a nod or an end joke or if it was just random because he's feral. Like I, you know, I'd be curious to hear what he had to say. Well, this one's in, that's in the Owsley one. Oh, that's that's right. Peter David did amazing. This is Owsley. So yeah, I don't know. I'm, it's just interesting. Well, if so that's kind of, that makes it a little bit cooler instead of just weird street talk. Right. Well, uh, what else you got? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that really completes it. Okay. It's a. Uh, I, I actually think it's a pretty interesting recovery from "Oops, we killed Hobgoblin" because now <laughs> I can't get anyone to make it be the foreigner. Right. <laughs> oh man. All right, so I think we've kind of agreed that the art was fine. Yeah, it was fine. It's there was nothing in here when I read it that made me cringe. Right. And it felt like reading an '80s comic from when I was a kid. It's just it's really standard Marvel house art. Right. Um, so the story, I, I really enjoyed, like you said, how it tied into everything. Thought that was fun. Um, I really enjoyed Wolverine delivering on his promise to himself to check in on Spidey. Yep. And that was a nice follow-up. And I, I actually enjoyed their interaction both ways, like the two-way interaction more in this issue. It's still mopey Spidey, but it feels like Spidey. Like it's it's the Spider Man that we're seeing in this time period. So even though he's he's maybe not all quippy, at least he he fits this era. That said, the pacing of this issue leaves a lot to be desired. Well, like I said, that that back and forth thing is nuts. It's crazy how it's all over the place it is. I also feel a little bit cheated. I have a really potentially awesome fight between Hobgoblin and Wolverine. Yeah. Like, no. it, sh- it should have happened. Away. Instead of that, we get a scuffle with an 80s street gang. Yawn. 
And, of course, no actual Frankenstein. Yeah, and no Frankenstein. All right, well, any other general thoughts before we grade it? Nope. Okay. Well, I'm oh, gonna... yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, one thing. One there thing. is an ad in the back for House 2, the movie House 2. Which okay. is one of the which is one of the worst movies ever made. You've seen it? So, oh yeah, yeah. And House One. I've never heard of either of them. Well, House One had a uh, it, it had that guy who was in that Great American Hero TV show. Oh, great! <laughs> and it had Norm from Cheers. Oh, okay. Well, whoa! Is that Bill Maher like the Bill Maher? I believe so. Yeah. Wow. House two, House one was actually good. Good eighties horror fun. Oh, right. it also had Bull from Night Court in it. Oh, okay. House two had nobody except for Bill Maher, and it was awful. Yeah, it also had the guy. It was like the director of photography, who was a couple of letters off from being Mark Wahlberg. He's Mac Allberg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, you need to tonight. Don't wait. Go go see if House Two is on Netflix. Okay, and make your life a lot worse. It will, it will enrich my living experience. Yeah, it's bad. Okay, I just I can't believe there was an ad for it. I didn't realize it was even something that hit theaters. It was so <laughs> it was so direct to video quality. Wow, yikes! All right, well, so I'm going to give Web of Spider Man uh, number twenty nine. I did the same thing on the last one. I, I wrestled between a three and a four, but this time I went the other way. I'm going to give it three out of six claws. Um, I feel like parts of it were better, but uh, I feel like parts of it were worse. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I think it all just averaged out to... I think part of it, too, it hurt me a little bit reading the issue of Amazing because that's this, but really good, but without Wolverine. So... <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I like yeah. I really like Wolverine in here, and that's their their banter between each other was definitely the highlight of this issue. Yeah, I I also gave it three out of six for okay. most of the same reasons. Uh, a lot of melodrama. Oh yeah, even more than like normal '80s Spider-Man melodrama. It's just a lot of sitting around lamenting stuff and thinking about quitting. And it wasn't just him. Him and the Rose both. They just, that right. was what they did. 80% of the issue was sit around and think about quitting. And I don't know, it was interesting in the context of the Hobgoblin mystery and yes. what's going on there. That makes it interesting. But, and also, I, I also liked, again, the, the Wolverine kind of helping pull him out of the dumps and telling him who he is. I like that. Right. But it just, it wasn't enough. This, it feels like this was basically a really long epilogue to the other story <laughs> or a really, really brief what's happening next with Hobgoblin. And both of those were kind of cool things, but they didn't make this issue great. I, I'm, I'm with you on the three out of six. All right. Well, real quick before we stop, we get another kind of recap issue and web of Spider-Man number 30. Um, this is The Wages of Sin. This is also by James Owsley, Steve Geiger. Uh, this time we have several inkers. Uh, Rick Letter- I'm sorry, Rick Parker is the letterer. 
George Rusis, the color. We get a nice asterisk that this story takes place right after Amazing 289 and Web of 29, but before Spectacular 128 and Amazing 290. Look at that attention to continuity you just don't yeah. get these days. <laughs> right. So the cover is by Geiger and Nichols. It's, it's here you go. Here's the cover. It's Rose Ooh. kneeling in a red background with all the stuff going on around him. Uh, we have him and his girlfriend. I'm sorry, that looks like Alfredo. Alfredo and the car and the girl. And we have Hobgoblin, Finger Zaps. Uh, we have Black Spider-Man and Kingpin. And then Rose kneeling in the foreground, uh, lamenting everything. So basically, this is a recap of everything that we've had from the beginning of the Rose until now. Which, of course, includes the Wolverine story. And we get all of this recap via the Rose going to confession at a church. And so he's telling us, he's telling us everything by telling the priest everything. And uh, we get all kinds of recap and flashback. The whole kit and caboodle of Kingpin and Hobgoblin stories covering the last few years of both Spider-Man and Daredevil. And then it ends with the Rose deciding to go to work for his dad. He's going to go work for the Kingpin. So the art's fine and the story's fine for a recap. It has a nice twist at the end. But, I mean, it's a recap. The art's good. Um, yeah, I would give I give Web of Spider-Man 33 out of 6 claws. It really is just it's a really nice summary of a really great multi-year story. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's just a recap. <laughs> so that's that, and that's that's our little uh, Wolverine Spider-Man crossover that went deeper than I thought it did. I originally thought it was just the one tie-in issue, and then I saw that it was uh, referenced in several other issues. So. Yeah. All right. Well, you knocked four off your list. <laughs> That's right. That's what it's all about, knocking down that list till I catch up. <laughs> yep. In real time. Y'all are all in, in for that ride. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Well, Andrew, thank you very much for coming on and dropping, especially that Hobgoblin story. That was fantastic. Anything else you want to say about this before we wrap up the ep? Nope, I appreciate it. It's fun being on. Thanks. Cool. Well, you have anything you want to want to plug or talk about? Yeah, I want to plug uh, Matt as a guest host on your podcast. <laughs> okay. Because he's a he just makes me laugh. <laughs> yeah, I'll try to get him back on um, um, when the extraordinary starts the next arc for sure, and maybe the end of this one. We'll see how schedules go. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, I'm enjoying his. Uh, his written reviews, but of course it's always better to, to actually talk. So It's his delivery. It's the dry, yeah. calm delivery that really sells it for me. Yep. Well, of course, Andrew's not on Twitter, so we will we will seed his Twitter plug to Matt, and that's at Geek Without Fear, so go follow him. Anything else? That's it. All right. Well, as usual, uh, please like the Facebook page. Reginald keeps sending those emails to snickcast at yahoo.com. If anybody else wants to get in on that action, go for it. Uh, Twitter is at snickcast. 
webpage with show notes is nickcast.podbean.com. Um, again, don't know if it'll be the next episode. Probably not. But the next flashback will be the uh, X-Men Fantastic Four crossover in the late 80s. So if you want to read ahead, and uh, feel free to send thoughts ahead of time and you know any comments or questions you have, and I'll try to answer them on the show. Um, have another special guest coming on for that whenever it happens. And, of course, all the current comics. And that's it. So, Andrew, again, thank you very much. Um, always love having you on when I get the chance. And, um, you know, since you're, since you're back into modern comics now, I may have to get you on a regular episode, too. Yeah, that would be fun. I got, I got hooked again, and it, those hooks are deep. <laughs> That's right, as they often are. So, anyway, everybody, next time, or, sorry, until next time, hugs and snicks. Bye.